Okay, Mike, so today we're gonna talk about the project that put DAOs and for some Web3 on the map. All right, what are, what are we talking about, Bored Apes? Oh, shoot, no, no, you're right, actually. So we're gonna talk about the <laughs> other project that helped put DAOs and Web3 on the map. Okay, maybe Constitution DAO? Yes, yes, that's the one where a ragtag group of enthusiasts banded together to buy. I mean, don't just say it yet. We haven't even rolled the intro. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's pretty obvious, right? <laughs> well, okay, maybe so. Okay, the Constitution, surprise, surprise. So now you can roll the intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today.
For those of you who aren't familiar, the Constitution DAO is part of what is now being dubbed the cooperation economy, where a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization is being formed around a specific goal. It's a push against our ever increasingly individualistic society and a way for people to band their resources together around a specific goal or movement. Right, because people are able to do more and move through services and automation. It empowers people to build products that compete with established organizations or wealthy individuals in this case in a way that's truly unheard of before. DAOs allow people to buy into a crypto coin that represents an ownership stake in the project. Now, depending on the smart contract, this could even give them things like voting rights on the direction of the project. Anybody can theoretically participate and everyone is the same class of ownership, unlike private companies where there's often different classes of stock or shares that are issued to, you know, protect the larger investors. Now, these protections, they're designed to maximize the return for those larger investors and squeeze the employees and even the founders out of their shares in the sale of a company. Now, just to give some context, DAOs aren't a completely new concept. Vitalik Buterin, Ethereum's co-founder, contemplated decentralized autonomous organizations in the original Ethereum white paper in 2013. In October of 2021, Andreessen Horowitz led a $10 million round in the popular DAO Friends with Benefits. A couple weeks ago, Pleaser Dao bought the only copy of a Wu-Tang album for $4 million. Last week, the Ethereum name service, ENS, it became a Dao and airdropped $2 billion worth of ENS tokens on anyone who had bought an ETH domain over the past few years. Many people received tens of thousands of dollars just for being an early adopter. So the Constitution DAO is a group of people who have come together to buy a copy of the Constitution, which is the first time a copy of the Constitution will go on sale in 33 years. And people are incredibly excited to own a piece of history. Here's a clip from CNBC discussing the Sotheby's auction. A rare piece of American history is headed for the auction block. Sotheby's auctioning off a copy of the U.S. Constitution on Thursday, and a group of crypto investors won in. The organization, called Constitution DAO, is raising money using a digital crypto wallet in hopes of securing the winning bid. So far, they've raised more than 800,000 Ether, which is roughly the equivalent of $3.7 million. Joining us is Constitution DAO's Alice Ma. We're also joined by Packy McCormick of the Not Boring Newsletter. He's also a contributor of the project. So, Packy, I'm going to start with you. Why in the world do a bunch of crypto investors want to get together and own the Constitution, and what are they going to do with it? Sure. So, I mean, I think it's an obvious, important historical document for anybody who lives in the U.S., has immigrated to the U.S., appreciates U.S. democracy, or lives in a democracy around the world. This is one of 11 existing copies of that foundational text, and for the first time in 33 years, it's going up for auction at Sotheby's this Thursday night. So I think the reason that this group wants to buy the Constitution is because it's a document that represents, I think, a lot of the same things that the, the, the Web3 ethos shares with the United States, which is a belief in democracy, a belief in shared ownership, a belief in governance kind of of and by and for the people. Um, and so we're organizing a DAO in order to pull funds in order to buy this document and bid on it uh, at the auction.
So of the 500 original copies created of the Constitution, only 11 to 13 remain, depending on who you ask. And this is the only known privately owned copy. In 1988, Howard Goldman bought the copy of the Constitution from Sotheby's for $165,000. When he passed away in 1997, his wife, Dorothy Goldman, became the custodian of the document. NPR announced that Sotheby's would be auctioning off a copy of the Constitution, and several groups popped up looking to create a DAO to buy it. Those groups quickly came together and formed the Constitution DAO. Through a simple Google form that had been up for less than a day, the Constitution DAO had garnered over 10 million in soft commitments. This is before they even had a legal framework in place to allow people to buy into the DAO. Launching and sustaining a successful DAO, like launching a company, requires doing a bunch of things well all at once while everything's moving and growing and breaking around you, which... Sounds pretty familiar as entrepreneurs, right? Yes, so it reminds me of the famous startup mantra, move fast and break things, right? Now, what's interesting about the Constitution DAO is the team is, let's say, liquid. Unlike a company that has formal contracts in place and set working hours, the Constitution DAO has an incredible team who is working in their off hours um, or they're, they're highly specialized in a specific area of need. Yeah, you said liquid, and it's like a liquid super team, as Packy McCormick referred to them as, and they're taking the time to build on the side because this is something that they're actually passionate about doing. One of the first things they began doing was creating virality for the project. They landed on using Nicolas Cage in their memes and a trending emoji symbol that participants could add to their social media bios that showed they're involved. Yeah, a trend in the DAO world, uh, if you see a parentheses followed by a scroll emoji, comma scroll emoji, and closing parentheses, that meant that that person was participating in the Constitution DAO. Now, a DAO isn't just a loose collection of anonymous strangers. I mean, it is, but it's also a legal entity like a company. It can get in trouble if it's not set up the right way. In this case, Syndicate co-founder Will Papper, whose company establishes DAOs every day, figured out and implemented the legal structure. In a mere couple of days, the core team needed to build a website from scratch and pick a partner to run the crowdfunding. One team focused on the front-end website while another evaluated partners. On the smart contract side, they needed a contract that could take in funds, issue tokens, allow funds to be used in an off-chain auction, and easily handle refunds and overflow just in case they ended up not actually getting the Constitution. They ended up choosing Juicebox, which is a smart contract builder built on top of the Ethereum blockchain. Its domain is juicebox.money if you're curious. This solution needed to do a couple of things. You could think of this as the product scope. It needed to be able to give refunds. If they somehow didn't win, there needed to be an easy way to get money back to the people without, you know, manually sending Ethereum over and over again. And that'll become important just a little bit later in the story. So it also needed to allow bidding off-chain. Juicebox uh, can be used to pool funds that can be used in off-chain auctions like Sotheby's. And finally, it needed to handle overflow. I mean, if they raised more than they needed, they wanted to be able to allocate tokens on a pro-rata basis and return any remaining funds to people. And Juicebox was able to do all of these things right out of the box. You see what I did there? <laughs> yes, yes, thank you for that. Honestly, this would take most startups months to scope and build. It's incredible that services like this exist for processing pooled currency in this way. Now, we should touch on the organizational structure of the DAO here too. I'm sure people are curious on you know how it was all structured. I, I actually didn't think there was one. Well, right. I mean, it is important to acknowledge that there are trade-offs with the DAO structure, right? It distributed ownership and governance. It's valuable for many reasons, but 
It's also harder to coordinate without a clear leader. At one point during the process, the core team had a two hour long call, most of which was spent figuring out organizational items like who would be in which working group and who could make which decisions. And two hours is one hell of a less time than most organizations that are raising, you know, tens of millions of dollars would spend on organizational design. So it was a big challenge. They then opened up coin purchasing to the masses who would trade their Ethereum for PeopleCoin, which would give them potential ownership in this copy of the constitution. The tokens give them certain governance rights in the project and allow them to vote on decisions according to the number of coins that they own. These coins can also be traded on exchanges like Uniswap. Now, we're gonna see if they're able to win at the auction, but man, this is incredibly cool. Yeah, you know, there's no way that a group this large could have even been assembled to do all of this just a couple years ago. The infrastructure around smart contracts that can actually handle the use cases around managing millions of dollars with no CEO to sign off on it, it didn't exist. Yeah. All right. The bid and the aftermath after a short break. So before the break, we were discussing the formation of the Constitution DAO, which was formed behind a single mission to buy the U.S. Constitution. And this project became such a phenomenon that it was covered by national news outlets like CNBC. They are inspired by the movie National Treasure. They've raised almost 50 million bucks, and they're out to buy the United States Constitution, at least an early version of it. One of only 13 surviving copies, original first edition copies. It's valued at roughly 20 mil. And who is this mysterious financier? Well, a ragtag group of cryptocurrency investors. They say memes like these featuring Nicolas Cage help them garner interest for the auction. Get in, loser. We're buying the Constitution. And if they get their hands on it, they say everyone who contributed will vote on where to display it. Proceeds go to charity. The group's called Constitution DAO, which stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. And what does that stand for? <laughs> well, CNBC.com technology editor Steve Kovac is here. Steve, DAOs are exploding in popularity online. I don't know what they are or how they work. Yeah, think of it, Chip, like a... And there was a ton of hype leading up to the auction. It's November 11th, and in one week, a copy of the U.S. Constitution is going up for auction. Everyone expects it to draw the usual crowd of wealthy collectors, but the crypto community has another plan. They want to crowdfund enough money to place a winning bid, and they'll do it using a DAO. It's intense, right? So Sotheby's estimated that the Constitution would fetch probably $20 million at auction, and after a couple of weeks, the group had raised nearly $50 million, actually $47 million to be exact. So while it may have all started on a whim, kind of a, a joke, honestly, things got very serious very fast. Yeah, very fast is right. A, a lot of details were unclear, even on the day of the auction. Details like who would actually own the Constitution if they did win it? People who contributed weren't actually going to get any ownership. They'd be able to vote on decisions that would be made about the Constitution, like, for instance, where to store it. But there wasn't really time for all the details to be hired out, honestly, because just a couple of weeks after the group formed, it was already auction day, November 18th, 2021. The auction at Sotheby's started that evening, and the suspense built for the Constitution Dow team as other items went off first in the auction. Yeah, like no bareback after EMBA uh, from 2017. That was a work by Lisa Bryce. That saw bids escalate to $2.6 million. 
Uh, there were actually two works by Banksy, uh, which ended up selling for $5.6 million and $8.1 million each. And actually, fun fact, many of the bids that came in from those pieces were crypto bids, which it was actually the first time that Sotheby's actually accepted crypto bids over the phone and in person. So this auction was actually historical on a couple different fronts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But before too long, Quig Brunig, senior vice president of Sotheby's, took to the podium and began to announce the item that many around the world were waiting for, at least those following the Constitution Dow's bid to make history. Here's Quig. For the first time, Sotheby's is presenting a unique single lot sale as part of our November marquee auction series, alongside our biggest sales of the year for contemporary and modern art. Such a showcase is a perfect presentation for one of the rarest and most prized pieces of American history, a first printing of the United States Constitution, dating to 1787. With only 13 copies known to exist today in this first printing and only one other available for private ownership, the printing of the Constitution is one of the most significant historical documents ever offered at auction. Needing little introduction on its importance, the United States Constitution is the longest continuing charter of government in the world and the product of a revolution in political thought at least as important and far-reaching as a fight for American independence. The freaking U.S. Constitution. It's unreal. At this point, you could cut the tension with a knife. Yeah, like, you know, a really fancy knife made by Tiffany or something. <laughs> yes, yes, a fancy Tiffany knife. Anyway, the, the auction began, and the bidding was fast and fierce. We'll start the bidding here at $10 million, at $10 million, $11 million, $12 million, at $13 million, now $14 million. The bid's here with me at $14 million, at $14 million. $30 million with Brooke Lampley. $30 million now is bid with Brooke. It's Brooke's bid at 30. At $30 million with Brooke Lampley. From $10 million to $30 million in a matter of seconds. You heard the bid by Brooke Lampley. Now, Brooke isn't the actual person bidding. Brooke is actually an executive at Sotheby's as chairman and worldwide head of sales for fine art. And she's making the bid on behalf of somebody she's talking to over the phone. Now, at that time, many speculated that Brooke must have been representing the Constitution Dow, especially with that quick jump right up to 30 million. Word was already out that Constitution Dow had raised 47 million. So it seemed to make sense that you know, they'd go hard with their bid. Yeah, and this massive jump to $30 million, it quickly eliminated a lot of others from bidding. And soon, it was down to two bidders, Brooke Lampley and David Schrader, another Sotheby's executive representing another call-in bidder. And the bidding went back and forth for several minutes, actually, until the bidding was all the way up to $40 million. David Schrader, or rather the bidder he represented, had the top bid at $40 million. 40 million, Brooke. I said we're still thinking about it, but maybe that might have done it. David, the bid is yours at 40 million. It is not yours, Brooke. We can bring the hammer up again, increase the drama one more time at $40 million. David, the bid is yours, 41 million. With Brooke at 41 million. Just in time at $41 million, Brooke Lampley, the bid is yours at 41. Mr. Schrader, what shall we say? At $41 million, it is Brooke's bid at 41. It's ahead of your phone, it's with Brooke at 41 million. This historic document with Brooke Lampley's bid at $41 million, viewed around the country at 41. No, are we sure? At $41 million, Brooke, looks like congratulations are in order to your bidder. David, you're out. Anyone else is welcome to jump in, but Brooke Lampley, the bid is yours for the United States Constitution at $41 million. 
Sold, $41 million, paddle 411. Congratulations, David. I hope you thanked your bidders profusely before they hung up. So Brooks Bitter came through and wins the Constitution Dow for $41 million, beating out David Schrader. And history is made because the Constitution Dow won their bid. Well, not so fast. Because Brooke actually wasn't representing Constitution Dow. Turns out that David Schrader was representing Constitution Dow. That ragtag group who cobbled together $47 million to buy the Constitution, they lost. Their highest bid wasn't the biggest. Here's well-known angel investor Jason Calacanis reading the note that the group posted shortly after losing the bid. Okay, we got breaking live news. It looks like the Constitution Dow lost. Community, we did not win the bid for the copy of the U.S. Constitution. While this wasn't the outcome we hoped for, we still made history tonight with the Constitution. This is the largest crowd fund for a physical object that we are aware of, crypto or fiat. We are so incredibly grateful to have done this together with, with you all and are still in shock that we even got this far. Sotheby's has never worked with a Dow community before. We broke records for the most money crowdfunded in less than 72 hours. That's the most amazing thing about this. We've educated the, an entire cohort of people around the world, from museum curators to art, and art directors to our grandmothers, asking us what ETH is when they read about us in the news, about the possibilities of Web3, and on the flip, this is really written poorly, and on the flip side, comma, many of you have learned about what it means to steward an asset like the U.S. Constitution across museums and collections or watch an art auction for the first time. We had 17,437 donors with a median donation size of $206. Wow, that's like some Bernie Sanders uh, strategy there, really small donations. A significant percentage of these donations came from wallets that were initialized for the first time. In other words, uh, people specifically bought crypto to do this, which is really cool. You will be able to get a refund of your pro rata amount, effectively minus gas fees, through Juicebox. Please expect more details about this tomorrow. Our team has not slept for the past week, and we're giving people the night to get some rest before we're back at it tomorrow a.m. Each one of you were a part of this. We want to also thank our partners in this work, Almeida Research, Endowment, FTX US, Juicebox, Morning Brew, and Syndicate Dow. What a letdown. But wait, the winning bid was just $41 million and they raised $47 million. So I don't, why didn't they keep going higher? Well, it turns out that protecting the Constitution, making sure it has a safe home, keeping it at the proper temperature and the proper lighting with the proper security, all that costs money. The group had figured out in advance how much it would cost to properly take care of the document, and that price was reduced from the total of what they raised. Their max bid, uh, apparently, was $40 million. So yes, they ended up losing out. Who they lost to and what happened next after a short break to hear from our sponsors. So before the break, we took you to Sotheby's just a few months ago where a group of people who formed in just a matter of a couple weeks to buy the U.S. Constitution, they lost out, bidding their max of $40 million, twice more than Sotheby's predicted it would actually cost to win the rare historical document. And somebody else coming in with their $41 million bid became the new owner of the copy of the U.S. Constitution. But who? Well, Michael, I'll give you a hint. Uh, here's this person testifying before the House Committee on Financial Services about GameStop trading activity in late January of last year. Thank you for the opportunity to testify today on the recent market events. The U.S. capital markets are the envy of the world. Our nation's ability to allocate capital to its best and highest use creates jobs, 
drives innovation, and fuels our economy. America's retail investors play an important role in our capital markets. According to Gallup, about 55% of Americans own stock right now. Citadel Securities, as the largest market maker in the U.S. equities market, executes more trades on behalf of retail investors than any other firm. As I will discuss shortly, Citadel Securities played an important role in meeting the needs of retail investors during the week of January 24th. Before doing so, I want to be perfectly clear. We had no role in Robinhood's decision to limit trading in GameStop or any of the other meme stocks. I first learned of Robinhood's trading restrictions only after they were publicly announced. Wait a minute, Citadel Securities. Uh, this testimony, this is all due to the GameStop stock explosion just about a year ago, and he's referring to Robinhood halting trading, which upset a ton of investors who were getting in on the action. A lot of people believe that Citadel Securities used their power to influence Robinhood to halt trading. But that means the person who beat out the Constitution Dow was... Yes. Ken Griffin, CEO of Citadel Securities. And Michael, he assured us that Citadel has nothing to do with Robin Hood's stoppage that day, remember? Yeah, <laughs> this is unreal. I mean, if you look at the Constitution Dow as the heroes of the story, honestly, what a better villain than Ken Griffin to be the Goliath to this collective David. Yeah, I mean, he's already played that villain role to the collective group of investors in the Wall Street Bets Reddit community during the GameStop craze last year. So <laughs> yeah, why not Ken Griffin, right? Oh, by the way, Ken Griffin's net worth is worth over $20 billion. So this $41 million bid, if you compared it to say, you know, a tech worker who saved up a good amount, let's say $200,000 in the bank. Well, this bid would be like that tech worker bidding, you know, 400 bucks. That's the cost of I don't know, a brand new bike you might splurge on? Not even. Wow. Well, what a blow to the Constitution Dow community. So what happens next? Well, here's CNBC's Mackenzie Sigalos as she joins Shep Smith on the CNBC segment. All of that said, you still have to recognize how powerful Dow's can be. The fact that it facilitated such a massive transfer of capital so fast, we're talking $47 million in a week, and this happened with little to no formal oversight, that's huge. Yeah, what, what, what happens to all the money they, they brought together? Yeah, great question. So two things are going to happen, supposedly. Those that donated money to the collective are being told that they can get their crypto back if they want it, minus the transaction fee. Organizers of Constitution Dow said that they'll sort out the logistics once they get some sleep. No word on that yet. And then for those who decide to actually leave their funds in the group's crypto wallet, they will vote on what to do next, like potentially bid in another historic auction. Okay, well, at least they get their money back or they leave it in there and see what else they can do with it. But I don't know, at that point, it, it won't be something you necessarily set out to do. So you probably get a refund and call it a day, right? If only it were that easy, Michael, because let me tell you, the story doesn't end right there. Oh, no? Well, just a couple days later, Twitter user Nick Bax noticed something. He pointed out that the leaders of the Constitution Dow, they were either, in his words, incompetent or malicious. They were making internal decisions that are causing insane volatility, the type that insiders could easily trade on. What do you mean? What, what exactly is going on? Well, this will get a little technical, but stay with me here. Constitution Dow gave contributors an ERC-20 token, which is a type of Ethereum token. Let's call that token PeopleCoin. For every one Ethereum token contributed to the campaign, that person received one million people tokens. 
That's a value of roughly 0.4 cents per people token. One way of refunding everybody would be to write a redemption contract and contributors could return their people coins in exchange for Ethereum. And that's not what happened? It sounds straightforward. No, instead the team announced a snapshot at a specific block. And a snapshot is basically the act of recording the state of a blockchain on a particular block height at a certain point in time. Everybody who held the token at that block would be able to claim the underlying ETH if you took action and sent your coins back to a certain pool. Okay. But here's the thing. If you didn't do that within just 24 hours, you wouldn't get your refund. You'd just be stuck with your people coins. And the remaining money from those people coins would go towards who knows what, some other project? I mean, you just don't know. I mean, they gave this notice, by the way, at 1 a.m. on a Friday night. So if you didn't see that notice in the Discord group that they had set up for contributors because, you know, you were spending the weekend with your family and you weren't on your phone, well, you wouldn't even have a chance at getting a refund. Oh man, that's that's rough. Yeah, and that's not all. After the snapshot announcement, many people that did see the message immediately dumped their people into the pool, taking several hundred thousand dollars worth of ETH as a refund. Oddly though, there were some accounts they were actually accumulating significant amounts of people at 50 to 90% below the original price. The value of a people coin went down and some people were actually buying up the people coins. That's interesting. But then out of nowhere, Constitution Dow announced that they were scrapping the snapshot plan and instead they would do the redemption contract after all. At that point, the people price immediately skyrocketed because now you're going to get one ETH for every million people coins you owned. The team was trying not to take responsibility because they said the whole time you shouldn't trade people coins, but turns out that some project members were trading people coins themselves. So again, either incompetence, which very well could be the case. I mean, this is all new. Fair, fair. Um, or you could look at it as insider trading and that's not all. There's another piece to all of this that didn't feel right. Okay, what's that? Well, half the people who donated, the median contribution was like $200. So to get a refund, the fees, they actually add up. Uh, Jordan Pearson of Vice uh, was actually a contributor in the Constitution Dow's efforts to buy the Constitution. And he wrote a post about the aftermath titled, Buy the Constitution, Aftermath, Everyone Very Mad, Confused, Losing Lots of Money, Fighting, Crying, etc. Anyway, he contributed $200 worth of Ethereum. Uh, from that, Coinbase took a $3 fee. Then, because you needed a MetaMask crypto wallet, there's another $12 network fee involved. and. And sending the crypto to Juicebox, the platform that Constitution Dow used. There were gas fees involved. In this case, it was a $75 gas fee. Okay, this is definitely adding up. Of that initial 200, that's already $90 in fees. Yeah, and if you wanted a refund, you'd have to do all of that in reverse, which means that $200 contribution, it's almost completely wiped out by the fees you ended up paying. Uh, at that rate, what's the point? right? Like you might as well keep your worthless people going. Well, Michael, it's funny you say that because you're actually hundred percent right. Yeah. So there's, there's actually even more to the story. Yes. Those people who didn't even bother getting a refund. Well, consider them the lucky ones. Because let me ask you this. What do you think the value of one people coin is after losing the bid to win the constitution? Well, I would say nothing, right? What you'd be wrong because today one people coin is actually worth three cents. Okay, not bad or I don't know, is that bad? Well, remember it started off at 0.4 cents. Then at its peak, it got all the way up to 17 cents. I mean, if somebody traded it all at its peak, a $200 contribution 
would have netted them close to $10,000. Minus the gas fees, of course. Yes, of course. Uh, those gas fees that are so high, that actually made people hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> and I don't know, my head is officially hurting trying to comprehend and do all the math on this. So um, is this the end of the story? I don't know, Michael. I mean, honestly, maybe it's just the start of the story. I mean, maybe the real story is that the people coin is become the next Dogecoin or Shiba Inu, and maybe it's minted people, new millionaires. I don't really know. <laughs> or maybe they'll raise even more money and buy the White House. Is that even possible? Maybe. I, I don't know, Michael. It feels like these days anything's possible. Yes. Well, that is all for today. We'll be back next week with more from our Web3 season here on Rocketship.fm. For Mike Belsito, I'm Michael Saka, and this is Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network, and if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.